you've got your handouts with you, this would be a good time to pull them out. And uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, I love when you have your actual Bible or your digital Bible, whichever it is, to uh, get God's Word in front of us for a little while. We are making our way through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We've been now several weeks on that, and we're just kind of chomping through, and we're talking about this idea of flourishing, flourishing in our spiritual lives, flourishing in our relationship lives. And now the book kind of is taking a turn, started last week, to get into some real practical terms. It seems that as the Apostle Paul had sent Timothy to this, check out this church, he came back with a report, and the church had some deficits. The church had some needs. The church had some areas where Paul wanted to encourage and even to uh, encourage them by saying, good job, give them some kudos in some areas. And that's the section we're in now. Last week, we started talking about sexual purity because it seemed like some of the pagan practices were still lingering around the body of Christ and around the church. And so he wanted to make that a real clear um, contrast for them. And uh, he wants to talk to them about their relationships with each other. So evidently, there might have been a few areas where they needed to improve in their uh, relationships. Next week, we're going to start talking about work. Anybody be a worker around here? And uh, I want to ask how your faith impacts your work life. We're going to spend some time on that. Uh, everybody's like, yeah. Um, and today we're specifically going to dig into um, our love life, and not meaning our romantic love life, but our brother-sisterhood love life, the loving of the brothers and the sisters in, in Christ. I call it uh, today, something was on my mind, probably because of these silly chairs. I was just thinking about rearranging the furniture, you know, so that, that was a little bit on my mind, and I don't know if it's going to fit the totally today, but uh, I was thinking about my roommate in Bible college. I had this roommate in Bible college. It was a little bit OCD. It was a little bit compulsive about uh, things. And almost every day I'd come back from class and he would rearrange our dorm room, you know, and uh, he had this huge speaker system. He had, this was the 70s, 1976. I know some of you weren't alive or born yet, but uh, he, he had uh, turntables. Did you ever hear of turntables? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, eight tracks. Oh, anyway, anyway. He would just rearrange the whole room every, and I kept saying, what? and he was a great, great dude, but he didn't make it to class very often. He was rearranging the furniture more than he was making it to, <laughs> making it to class. Uh, so then, that same year, 1977, I got married to Lydia. And Lydia is a decorator. And Lydia likes to meet me at the door on a certain day, usually it's Friday, and say, let's rearrange. She has these um, throw rugs. And of course, a throw rug in a room kind of goes under the couch, under, the, under everything. So you pretty much have to do... To do do any of you guys do seasonal throw rug changes? Or is she just different? <laughs> you know? 
there's got to be a Christmas one, you know, and it's got to have the double, it's got to have the pumpkin one. I don't know. It, it, I don't, I just, okay, honey. Okay, honey. Let's rearrange the furniture. I had a friend whose wife rearranged the furniture so often, he said he had to wear shin guards when he came home from work because he couldn't figure out where everything was and kept stumbling. <laughs> I think he was kidding, but you know how it is. Well, sometimes in our lives, it's good to take the things that we're used to in the arrangements that we're used to them and redo them, rearrange them. And I think that's partly what Paul's getting at here in the brother-sister relationships. He's gonna encourage them that they've got all the elements. They just need to kind of bring them to the form, prioritize and re-emphasize. In fact, let me read the passage. It's real short, two verses. This is a pastor's dream, two verses, you know, instead of 25 or something. Now about your love for one another, we don't need to, to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Isn't Paul just like a preacher? He says, I don't need to say anything to you about that, but I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point. When you know something, you know, well, guys come out and say, Pastor, what are you going to preach on on Sunday? The Bible. Okay, what about the Bible? Love. I mean, I can say that every single week, right? Because that's what we're about. But hopefully every week there's a different engagement. And that's kind of what I hope to hear from Paul today about this Thessalonian church. Because they're in a unique setting. And guess what, folks? You are in a unique setting. The world has never gone through what the world is going through today. You've never gone through what you're going through today. God's brought us to the brink of a point to say, let's do things differently. Let's rearrange things and look at them in brand new ways with brand new eyes. Get the shin guards on, okay? Because he wants to challenge us. Rearrange the requirements. Jot that down. Jot that down. Have you ever looked at love, not as a, uh, our culture does? Oh, the swoon, you know. Oh, I just fell in love. Like it's an object that you can't control. Like it's an environment that you can't control. In this case, it's a requirement, not an environment. Okay? It's a command and a demand <laughs> if we want to be followers of Jesus about your love for one another. Now, let me make a note of a couple of things. In the scriptures, in the New Testament, there's several words for love. Now, if I've done pre-marriage sessions with you or your kids, <laughs> some of you, it's been a, lot, a while, right, Marcus? It's been a while, right? You, know? you may not remember this. There's four different words used in the New Testament for love. <laughs> you're smiling. We've just been through this. You've got the family love, storge. You've got romantic love, like we call it eros, like erotic, lust kind of love. You've got brotherly love, philios, like Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. That's the one we're talking about tonight, today. And 
Eros. Oh, no, no, no. Ah, testing you. Good job. Agape, a word that seems to be somewhat invented around the New Testament's desire to talk about love different than the other three. Agape. Today, though, this morning, we're really looking at philios, phileo. It's brotherly love. Before the New Testament was written, it was pretty much exclusively used for people who had the same parental figure or father. Okay? It was earthly brothers, blood brothers. That was the love of brothers. But in the New Testament, in the Bible, it's elevated, it's liberated, it's freed up from the parental side to say, hey, we've all got one parent. The parent is the heavenly father, and that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are not an orphan. You're not familyless. You don't just have a father. You've got a family. Woo! Yeah. Does our culture, does our world, do our hearts ever need to hear that? You've got a family. You are not alone. He didn't leave you as an orphan. He didn't leave you by yourself. He put you involved. Now, we don't recognize it. We sometimes are poorly acting family members. Sometimes we're resistant to God's power, but that's, what he's, that's why he says what he does today. Listen to this. It's a requirement to love as Jesus loved. Look at this, a new command I give to you. Notice it's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. I mean, it is a good idea, but no, it's Jesus, John chapter 13, commanding his followers to something that they need. A new commandment I give to you, to love one another as I have loved you. Note that. If you're filling in blanks, it's required to love as Jesus loves. As Jesus. He's the model. He's the leader. He's the one, the big brother that shows us the way. All we've got to do is love like he's got. That's so easy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, in John chapter 3, Verse 16, it really defines agape love in that verse. You know the verse. For God so loved, guess the word there is agape, not phileos. God so loved the world that he gave. So I think of world as uh, unconditional and gave as sacrificial, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. So I always put the duration, eternal. Agape love can be defined... (laughs) as those three things, unconditional, sacrificial, and eternal. Now, philios is a little different, but very closely related. When you love as Jesus loved, when you love someone in terms of brother-sister love, family love, not just family love, but family love in the body of Christ, he says, Um, you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Yeah, that's his his, um, plan. Now, he's already said to these folks in chapter one, verse three, he said, your labor 
prompted by love. He, he's already encouraged them that they've, they're an outstanding model of, of love. He's already encouraged them about um, their priorities. But here he's going to say, I want you to do it more and more. In John 15, this is similar, but Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. There it is right there. We've got to love one another because we're followers of Christ and he's the number one lover. He's the number one giver. He's the number one sacrifice for us. Here he says, greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now, whether it's a soldier jumping on a grenade in a foxhole to save his comrades or, or, or something like, he says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. What did Jesus do? He laid himself down on a cruel wooden cross. He allowed them to pound nails through his hands, through his feet. He allowed them to hang him on a tree so his life would ebb out from him and he would pay the sacrifice, the penalty for my sin. He knew no sin, yet he took my sin. He took anyone's sin who trusts in him for their salvation. That's the gospel. Greater love has no man than this to lay his life down for his friends. And Jesus says, I don't call you servants. <laughs> this is the idea. I'm not calling you servants. You're, you're not underlings. You're not those that are below me. He says, I am elevating you. I'm calling you friends. In fact, here it is. I'm calling you a brother. You are adopted into God's kingdom as an heir of God, equal to Jesus Christ in that sense. You are not an orphan. You're adopted, following Jesus in every way, especially showing his love. Let me go to B, requiring the love that requires us to reflect God's love. So the first one is love as Jesus loved. The second one is the Father, reflecting the Father's love. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This sound familiar? Didn't we just go through 1 John not too long ago? The, the gospel of love. Whoever does not love does not know. Say that again. Whoever does not love does not know God. They are intricately connected. Love and God. You cannot love the way God wants you to love without knowing him and reflecting his love to others. It says, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So you've got Jesus laying down his own life and you've got the heavenly father sending his son. Two different types, two different kinds, two different senses of love that we're to reflect and grow in. It says, this is love, 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. I mentioned earlier the, the memory work. If you memorized the memory work, you've got that phrase, God is love. Love one another, right in that phrase that we memorized for our memory work. Third one, required to love believers. We're gonna reflect God's love. We're gonna love as Jesus loved. And we're gonna love especially believers. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. There's a sense of allowing God to take his reign and rule in the midst of our love in the family of God. He resides not only in the praises of his people, but in the connections, the relationships, the re- believer connections that we make. So God loves to dwell in a loving family, in the body of Christ where there is, I mean, who wants to be in a family where people don't love each other? Has anyone ever experienced a family? You don't don't raise your hand. (laughs) Family is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. And sometimes our human families make us long for our spiritual family to be all that God calls a spiritual family to be. In fact, I, I, I venture to say there's a lot, of, a lot of us who are closer and find love more in our spiritual families than we ever find in our biological families. And that's what he's recognizing here, loving the brothers and sisters. So let me, let me just mention a couple things. It's a little off script here. It's not on your page per se, but I'm thinking about some of the things Paul went through. What is the essence of this brotherly love? Well, one thing, desire to be together. If you find a place to jot this, it's a good thing. Jot it down. A desire to be together. See, the apostle Paul had been pulled away from this group in just a couple of weeks. He had a couple of weeks to spend with them in in their Sabbath days and to teach them. And then the riot happened. They came to his house. They were going to kill him. And he he split, split from town. He left town. And so then for years, he's in Athens. He's writing this from Corinth. He's spending time thinking, oh, how are those brothers doing? And he desired, the Bible says, deeply desired to be together with them. And when he could stand it no longer, finally he said, okay, Timothy, you go check on those brothers and sisters and see how they're doing because I desire to be with them. And by the way, that's the number one quality of this kind of love. Desire to spend time together. Desire to be together. Isn't it incredible that the very pandemic we're going on is forcing people not to be together? If there ever was a tool of the evil one to try to squelch brotherly love for one another, it's this one. Yeah. And we cannot let it happen. We've got to do just what the apostle Paul did, desire deeply to be, in fact, here's the word he used. I have been orphaned from you. I mean, he felt so estranged. He said, they made me leave and I feel like we're abandoned, is the word. 
Folks, don't let yourself be orphaned or abandoned. No matter what our culture or society says, reflect God's love and love believers. This the desire to be together. There's no such thing as lone ranger in the body of Christ. We're either a team and a family or not at all. No such thing as just privatized religion, privatized Christianity. He wanted to see their faces and be with them. I'm thinking of the poor little family, the gal that's missing down in Florida or wherever, Gabby. You know, and her family just wants to be see her, and they're longing for that because something terrible has happened or appears to have happened. I'm thinking of the 13,000 immigrants underneath the bridge in Texas from Haiti. You know, and they're gathered together because they need to be together. They don't understand another culture, and they're, they're terribly affected by the culture by society and by acts of God, quote unquote. No. Why are they clinging to one another? The same reason God calls on us as believers to cling to one another. Common language, common values, common heart, common background, common citizenship. Your citizenship is not here on this earth and nobody in the body of Christ's citizenship is here on this earth. We are strangers just passing through. Well, I could go on, but let me go to the second one. Not only does it desire to be together, it endures. So this is kind of like that sacrifice, like agape love, but a little bit different. It endures for others. I mean, when Paul, the apostle, said to his best friend and comrade, Timothy, you go check on them, you go check it out, see how they're doing. He said, I decided it was best for me to be left alone. I mean, he was already under persecution. He was already under uh, overt persecution of his own. And he was enduring it because he had Timothy there. They were sticking together. But he said, for your sake, for your sake, Thessalonians, I'm going to make myself sacrifice my best friend, comrade Timothy, and send him to you. Why did he do that? Because that's what love does. Love endures hardship for someone else. He was serving them, we would say. It endures. Paul wanted to come to them, and he says time and time again, <laughs> I wanted to, but he uh, let Timothy go in Athens. Number three, agape and phileos love rejoice in the relationship. Rejoice in others. So you got desire to be together. You got sacrifice, enduring for the others. And then you got rejoicing with others. See, this is uh, the apostle Paul who said, my joy, the whole joy I get out of life isn't a reward that God's gonna give me. It's you. When I get to heaven and get to hear people say, I'm in heaven because of you, you're my reward, you're my rejoicing, you are my, he says, joy. See, that's the flavor of this kind of love. This kind of love says, my joy is 
in the relationship. It's in people. My brother and sister walked in here today that I haven't seen for a while. It just, your heart just leaps. There's rejoicing and joy. That's what God says brotherly love does to you. You are my glory, he says, and my joy. Not only joyful times together, but folks, can I just say, you need to be in a room with other believers laughing a lot these days. You know, I heard about some ladies having ladies night out last night. You know, that's so good. You know, toasted cheese sandwich and tomato soup and laugh a lot. You know, rejoicing together. That's what we should be doing. Why? The Bible says, laughter is good medicine. And boy, we need big doses. We need big doses. If you're not having fun with the body of Christ, you're not going to last long. You got to be close enough to some other believers that you're actually getting below the, hi, how are you? Fine. Okay, see you later. Bye. That's usually what we get in a week. Hi, how are you? Fine. Good. See you later. Bye. What kind of robot are you? You know, we got to be spending time and spending enough time that we laugh together. It says rejoicing in you, brothers and sisters. Ryan mentioned the class. If you're not in a class, if you're not in a home group, now's the time to get in a home group because they're all starting back up again. (laughs) Get your body into a place where you can on a regular basis have a cup of coffee, have a cup of tea, spend some time encouraging, blessing, and laughing together. If they're not laughing, bring the joke yourself. Okay? Or try. (laughs) You know how bad I am at it, you know? But, oh, you know how much I rejoice in you. You are my joy. You are my glory. You are my crown, just like the apostle said to the believers. And you should be encouraging each other to that same degree. Desiring to be together, enduring for others, rejoicing in others. Let me mention another one. Treating others as equals. Treating others as equals. See, I'm amazed at this because the Apostle Paul doesn't, doesn't downplay Timothy as this, he's just a servant. He's just the one who brings my robe when I need it. He's just the one who brings my pen when I'm writing something down. No, he says, I'm sending you, Timothy, a fellow minister equal to me. The only reason I'm sending him because he can get free and I'm chained up. <laughs> you know, but he says, he's equal to me. Oh, that we would treat each other with that kind of deference and give each other the freedom. There's no, there's no classifications and, and landing points and, and stratification in the body of Christ. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, equal in the sight of God and hopefully equal in each other's sight. It doesn't matter our color. It doesn't matter our race. It doesn't matter our background. It doesn't matter our political party or whether we're masked, vaccinated or not. Really doesn't matter. God sees us. We ought to see each other in the same kind of light as Paul saw his brother Timothy. Equals. Well, last one. Last one. They don't treat others as equals. That's not all they do. They also pray. 
for each other. This kind of, this kind of love <laughs> causes us to get holes in our pants because we're on our knees so much. We are driven to pray for one another out of our love for them. You know, boy, this week, huge prayer requests coming in. People in desperate need. Challenge. We are required to love one another. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us through that. Let's move on. I know I'm taking way too long on this, but let's rearrange not just our requirements, God makes this as a command, but our relationships. Thank you for doing that. Rearrange the relationships that God puts into our lives. And there's a couple that I want to highlight here. In fact, you underline this, love all of God's family. Love all of God's family. Throughout Macedonia, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more. So first of all, relate to those in God's family. These are the brothers and sisters. That's why we're dealing with philios and not agape today. It's brothers and sisters in Christ. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Hebrews 13.1 says. Romans 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, underline that, so with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse seven, key in on this. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. A couple years ago, I was preaching on this verse and someone left the auditorium. I was preaching about accepting one another and somebody walked out and said, I'm never coming back here again. And I just thought, how ironic. I was reading that exact verse I just read and someone jumped up and left. I was like, hmm, puzzling. But how, how important. What do we do to accept one another, warts and all, porcupine bristles and all? None of us are easy to love. But here's the thing. He says, relate to God's family because when you're in family, just like your biological families, when you're in God's family, you'll find all kinds of need for accepting one another. We don't accept each other because we're drawn. We don't just accept each other in some romantic kind of way. We accept one another because of what God is doing in the other person. Because we're trusting God to be at work. Your job is not to change your brother or sister. Your job is to encourage them, to bless them, to powerfully uh, speak into their lives. But your job is not to change them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Isn't that relaxing? Isn't that comforting? Isn't that em empowering and releasing? God's job is the one to change them. Accept one another. Here it is. Just as Christ Jesus has accepted you. Oh, wow. All you got to do is think about that for a little bit, huh? 
in order to bring praise to God. A couple other verses, powerful, favorite verses for me. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. <laughs> you want to be a do-gooder? <laughs> He's encouraging you. Let us do good, what? To all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So our goal is not to only love the body of Christ, it's to love everybody, but especially, why is that, I wonder? What Jesus said. He said, this is going to make a powerful testimony to the others. He calls them outsiders, not because he wants to keep them outsiders. He says, when you get your act together, when you start loving each other like Jesus loved, when you powerfully put this into practice, guess what happens? The outsiders are not outsiders any longer. They're, they're, they're looking in going, I want some of that. When was the last time your neighbor or your, your, your family member or a loved one, someone from your work said, I don't know what you've got, but I want some of that. I don't know why you and those other folks are getting so much joy out of life, but I want some of that because I don't have that. And if we don't have that here, <laughs> that's what God's calling on us first. Especially, especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to those who belong to the family of God. Bless people. Bless people, do good, especially. So if you've got a, a block of time, I've got six hours a week, I'd love to serve God. Figure out a way to use the especially in that. I wanna use five of those six hours to share in the family of God, to grow the body of Christ, to bless children or teenagers or elderly or women or men. I mean, can you just go down the line? Find a place that you say, I'm going to serve and do good here. This will be my family of God, family of believers to pour into. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another. It's like accepting one another, but it's a little different. First you accept, then you devote. Be devoted to one another. Again, I got to ask you, in our culture, in our world, where we got privatized religion and it's just me and God, there's most of us in this room probably are not, it's not easy for us to make a list of folks that we're wholly devoted to. We kind of, well, take them or leave them. Yeah, they're here, they're not, no big deal. We're not usually following Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. One version says, preferring one another. I don't know about you, do you, do you prefer one another? I mean, that's the idea here. <laughs> I wanna prefer you in honor. Give them the benefit of the doubt, give them the time use. See, the key issue here is unity. And Satan's biggest strategy, what he really wants to do is divide and keep apart the body of Christ. Shallow as we can be, and Satan has victory. What God wants to do is deepen that fellowship. Get us to be on a sharing level that prefers one another out of our love for Christ. So often, we take up an offense, you know, and then... We're offended for somebody else. And even if they get back together, we're not 
able to get past that. Instead, so we're supposed to prefer one another. B, relate to those unlike you. Relate to those who are not like you. See, that's what's different from the world. The world, we can have these natural connections with each other. In the body of Christ, you may or may not have those natural connections. What's he say? Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. At least in your mind, they're of low position. In God's mind, there is no low position. He says he's called the lowly to receive the most. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I'm so good. I'm too good for that. Society, culture divides right now like never before. Do not let it happen. There is no such thing as out of the scope of God's love or God's plan. (laughs) Jesus unites. Jesus pulls people together. Society and culture and the evil one divide. When you feel that division, no, it is not from heaven. It is not from God. It is from the evil one. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord and Jesus Christ, you must not show, catch that? Favoritism. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. You see, um, favoritism is inconsistent with God's character. God's character is not showing favoritism. The book of Hebrews shows that clearly. Romans chapter 2, verse 16, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. God is not a God of partiality. He doesn't hold his favoritism for certain people. He loves everyone. And guess what? He calls on us to do the same. He calls on us to love like he loves It's not only inconsistent with his character, it's contrary to God's values. It's contrary to God's values. And it's against his will. If you need to know a verse, there it is right there. If you show favoritism, you sin. If you want to know God's will, not showing favoritism, that's his will. Love all. So what do you say? Well, we love our neighbor as ourself, but it also says, love your enemy. You know, so we want to love everyone. Remember the James story where the guy comes to church, you know, and the fellow comes in who's all kind of disheveled and doesn't look so good. They say, well, why don't you have a seat right here, kind of in the back row. Then a guy comes in with gold refinery on, and oh, oh, come on in. Come on in. Have a, have a chair right here, right here in the high rent district. You know, come in. And, and, and they show favoritism. And the James, the apostle, who's one of Jesus' Jesus's earthly brothers, says, that's not right. There's two hearts here. You treat them the same. External uh, show doesn't matter. What a person looks like on the outside is inconsequential. You treat them as a brother in Christ, as a person in God. Show them no favoritism. Relate to them even if they are unlike you. In fact, sometimes that's the challenge for us. 
The more unlike us they are, the more God can use them in our lives to show us how much he loves us. Because we're so unlike him, right? Yeah. Let me go one more. See, relate to those who hurt you. Ooh, now we're getting to the rubber meets the road. Guess what happens in church? People hurt you. Guess what happens wherever people are? Yeah, we were laughing together and then I got stabbed in the back. That'll happen. Guess what God's calling you to do? Forgive, grow, (laughs) grow and develop and love. Love. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. These are the only words that are gonna keep us together, folks. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And what? Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Whoa. You will find need for forgiveness. You will have to forgive someone, but guess what? You have a lot of people forgiving you too. It's the only way that it works. Remember Peter? Remember when Peter was at the shore? Jesus cooked him breakfast. Remember when Peter was asked by Jesus and he used these same words we're talking about today in questioning him. Peter, do you love me? And that particular time, Jesus used the word agape. Do you, Peter, agape love me? Peter responds. You remember how Peter responded? He responded with the word we're talking about today. Phileos. Yes, Lord, I phileo you. You agape me, phileo you. Because there's a difference. Jesus asked a second time. Peter, do you love me? With agape, what did he say it was? Unconditional, sacrificial, and eternal. And Peter responds. He says, no, I do best friend love you. I do close brother in Christ love you. Jesus asks one more time, but this time Jesus capitulates. He comes to the level that Peter is at, and he really says, Peter, do you really love me with a brotherly love? Do you really love me with the kind of love we're talking about today? And Peter, (laughs) he's had three chances now. You know why I think Jesus gave him three chances? He had denied Jesus three times. I don't know him, never met him. And Jesus gave him chances to be, just like we're talking about here, forgiven. You talk about hurt. You imagine Jesus on trial for his life, going to be sent to the cross. And Peter, his trusted number one disciple is saying, I don't even know the guy. I never met him before. Nothing to do with him. Jesus brought in and said every time, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, invest yourself, love people. And finally, I think Peter got it. Peter got it. And both loves, agape love and philos love, are called on for us and from us. God uses those for our benefit and to benefit those who are around us. Peter, do you love me? And he would ask us today that same thing. One last one. Rearrange the responsibility. 
So we've got requirements, we've got relationships, and we've got responsibility. And I just think we're ending with this verse 10. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, let's say, to do so more and more. Here's the point. You never stop growing in love. It's not a point where you arrive at and then you're done. It's a point you arrive at and say, what's next? Give me more. Keep growing. Here he says, more and more. More and more. I put it, ever increasing measure. Ever increasing measure. It doesn't stop. It continues and grows. Look at this verse for a minute. This is from 2 Peter, the person I was just talking to you about. He says, for the very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Listen to this. I just love this ingredient. He's pouring ingredients into this life. And to your goodness, knowledge. And to your knowledge, self-control. Because what good would knowledge be without self-control? And self-control, perseverance. You got to keep on going. And to your perseverance, godliness. And to your godliness, mutual affection. And to your mutual affection, love. Guess what word is here? Yeah. For if you possess these qualities... Look what it says, in increasing measure. (laughs) I just love it. You you don't want to just possess the qualities, but in every one of those things, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, you're growing. It's increasing measure. They will keep you, listen to this, they will keep you from being ineffective. A lot of people are talking right now about the uh, vaccinations becoming less and less effective. They use that term. ineffectual or less effective here he's saying if you keep growing in these measures you will become more and more effective you will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of christ folks can we be that body can we be brothers and sisters that are ever increasing in our measure of god's love one last one Love more and more. Sounds like the Comanches are loose. (laughs) Uh, Those are my grandsons, I can tell. Or your grandsons. Uh, uh, Ours, there you go. Yeah, I I love the sounds of joy. Told you we should laugh together. They got it down, you know. Uh, Love more and more. Jot that down. When we're rearranging the furniture, <laughs> we got to have high on the list priorities to say love more and more. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again. Supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father, our Lord, just clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. For each other and for everyone else. The two categories, each other, everyone else. And strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy. That's God's plan. All, all the rest of these scriptures are some of the one another's that he calls you to. Let me mention one other thing. Instead of just rearranging the furniture, I think God wants to renovate the room. I think God wants to renovate the body of Christ. He wants to do major surgery, not minor surgery. So even though I've preached about 
rearranging the furniture, just look at it from the standpoint of he wants to redevelop and renovate the house. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you for giving us the model and the example of Jesus. Thank you for showing us your heart and calling us together as your family. Lord, I pray that you would help us to experience all that you have planned for us as the body of Christ. Lord, we miss it so often. So seldom do we actually even touch on what you've got uh, in store for us. But Lord, I pray that this would be the place. This would be the season. This would be the time. This would be your will accomplished in our lives. We pray it. Devote ourselves to it. In Jesus' name, amen.